0: Welcome to Gather In, where you'll hear stories of conversion to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you have an interesting story to tell, please go to our Instagram page or send us an email to gatherin at proton.me. Here we go. Sam, you are here. (laughs) Finally.
1: it it worked. (laughs)
0: Fantastic. Look, uh, you know, technology is great. we just got to hit the right buttons sometimes, haven't we? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so, um, Sam, I was I was just about to do our our introduction, and I'm going to tell people who you are and why you're here. And uh, it's, um, it's a, a beautiful Monday morning here in Cairns in Australia, and I hope it's a beautiful... Sunday evening in um, in Phoenix in Arizona.
1: It's a little warm, but yes.
0: <laughs> a, little, a little warm. What was the top temperature today uh, there, do you know?
1: 110, I think.
0: Sorry? 110. A hundred and, uh, 100, 110. Though. 110. Yep, yep. That's sort of hot. <laughs> we are in tropical uh, North Queensland and uh, it doesn't get that hot here where we are. Uh, it's very humid, you know. Um, you know, thirty-five Celsius, which is probably close to a hundred. That's about as hot as it gets here, but horribly, horribly humid. So, it's it's a different feel to the Arizona heat. Yeah, I think I'd prefer it here. I've I've been to Arizona. I've been to Phoenix. So I know a little bit about it. What it's like. Anyway, Sam's joining us today from from Phoenix. So, welcome, Sam, and uh, just. A little bit I've learned about Sam. Sam is, holds the privilege now of being the first non, the first non-Latter-day Saint person that we've had on the Gathering podcast. So there's a there's a feather in your cap, Sam. Um, <laughs> Sam is a 16-year-old high school student from from Phoenix, and and Sam and I met on Instagram um, after Sam made a comment on a post. And and I thought, oh, that's an interesting opinion. Let me talk to Sam about this, and 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 so we uh, exchanged a couple of messages, and and then we got together for a chat, and and I realised um, from my first chat with with Sam that he is an unusual young man.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, put it this: way, he might not be unusual, but he has an unusual. Interested in the subject of religion Yes uh, which, which, which is great And and you know it, I'm, I'm guessing you might be unusual Even at your church And I mean our, our young men we, we would have some young men at your age Who would be unusually interested In the subject of religion as well uh, and, and seeing that most of our young men When they leave to serve missions Are only a couple of years older than you You know it's not that unusual But um, when we were talking Sam we we're talking about the Nicene Creed and Sam rattled that off the top of his head. He's got the whole thing memorized.
1: <laughs> which yeah, that's which a, was, that took quite a while.
0: <laughs> that was a pretty impressive feat. So um, anyway, Sam, uh, again, welcome. Uh, just before we start talking about things of a uh, religious nature, could you tell us a little b- bit about your family background? Where you're from, where you were born? Etc. Etc. et cetera, and uh, before we get into talking about uh, the things that we want to talk about today.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me uh, today, even though I'm a little sick, so my voice is a little off. But um, I was born in Rostov, south of Moscow in Russia, Russian Federation. And I was baptized there at two weeks old, and I stayed there till I was about three years old, and then I moved to the United States. Um, in the united states i've gone back and forth from a couple of states to live in and uh i go back and forth between russia but unfortunately have not had that privilege because of the current um tensions tensions to say the least the military operation as uh my grandma my babushka would call it but um uh, my family moved originally to the united states um well my grandparents on my mother's side did uh, from the Soviet Union, the USSR, during the widespread persecution of um, Orthodox Christians by Joseph Stalin and other uh, secretaries of the Soviet Union. And so that is where we got uh, the idea to move to the United States and when I was about three years old. So we have relatives both here and back in Russian.
0: Okay, okay. So you moved to the US when you were three years old, so uh, I think, I think from our original conversation, you mentioned that you have dual citizenship. Yes, I do. Yeah, Which so
1: you can, of, you can, oh yes, part of the reason why uh, I could not go back is I would be eligible for draft by um, Russian army. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so, so you
0: can travel quite, quite freely between the US and, and Russia?
1: Yes. And also between uh, Republika Srpska, Serbia, because I have a uh, visa, because that is the area you would have to fly through right now to get uh, Russian Federation, to Russia from the United States.
0: Oh, really? Okay, okay, that's, that's very interesting. So, yes, I can understand why you uh, would want to avoid going to Russia at the moment. You don't want to be drafted into the <laughs> special, the special military operation in Ukraine. That's very understandable. Um, Even at such a young age, is the draft age 16? Uh,
1: I think think that it is either exactly 16 or maybe lower to 14, but 14 would be reserves. I know I would be reserved if I was drafted, so. Wow.
0: Well, I remember reading quite a long time ago about why uh, countries at war like to send young men into war and and one of the reasons is that young men are more fearless <laughs> I,
1: I would say <laughs> to be to be honest it's not even i do fear uh the idea of a war but it's really more um my parents who wouldn't let me travel
0: <laughs> well if if you were my son i'd be holding you pretty close to me as well i think you know? <laughs> yeah so so you mentioned um you mentioned about, um, you know, the the persecution of of Christians in in Russia over the years. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because, you know, I, I've read a little bit about it since since our initial chat. Uh, but I think I think most most of us Westerners don't really understand what happened very well. Um, and and as I said, you're an unusual sixteen-year-old. <laughs> Um, and you, you're, you have an interest in history. So can you give us a, a, a just a brief sort of overview of that?
1: Yes. So it really all started during the uh, First World War, where the Russian Empire, which was still a monarchy under uh, Tsar Nicholas II, was at war with the Germans and the Austro-Hungarians. And during that time, the war for the Russians was costing more lives than it was for the Western powers that we are familiar with, like France and Britain and the United States. And so the Russians got pretty fed up uh, with the current government of the Russian Empire and also from outside influence, such as Karl Marx in Germany and uh, a trade union organizer, Lenin, who we're all familiar with. They uh, overthrew the government from inside, starting in St. Petersburg, which is actually, ironically, the most holy city in Russia and the capital of the empire at the time. And so during the October Revolution, as it is called, the Russian Revolution, as it is also called, um, the czar and his family, who were all supported by the church and devout Christians and led the country in a Christian manner, were uh, all executed, including all the children, uh, by the communists. And that started a period of persecution for the church under the teaching of Marx, where it's a quote from Marx, I cannot remember it directly but is religion is the opium of the masses which is to say that anyone who is religious is not devoting themselves fully to the state which is the idea of communism and so religion including islam but mostly orthodox christianity as it was dominant religion became a target and that started right before and continuing on through the late 60s right before world war ii and continuing on through the late 60s the Holodomer, which was the genocide of Orthodox Christians, especially in the southern region of the Soviet Union, and it cost anywhere from 12 to 17 million lives.
0: (laughs) Could you repeat that figure again?
1: Oh yes, 12 to 17 million. Wow. Yes. And it, it is not talked about at all.
0: No. No, I mean, we all, we all know about the Jewish Holocaust in uh, the Second World War, of course. Uh, look, I, I gather there was also uh, persecution of Jewish people at that time in Russia?
1: Uh, yes, especially, uh, well, so to be honest, uh, I would say I obviously prefer the uh, czar, uh, the monarchist Russia compared to the Soviets, but under Tsar Nicholas, there was rampant per, uh, anti-Semitism and persecution of Jewish people and then it carried on to soviet union not exactly on a systemic level through the government but more so in the civilian level where they held a prejudice
0: okay okay and and this was this this revolution was in 1918 correct no yes
1: 1917 was the october start and in 1918 it was finished
0: yeah okay look uh, you, you you know Sam, uh, we mentioned it when we first spoke that um, this is really interesting for me because I actually have Russian ancestry. Yes. Uh, my father, my father's mother was born in in Russia, and um, she left Russia with her mother and um. Oh, I'm trying to think. Did she have siblings at that time? My, my memory's not that great. Anyway, the family left Russia. <laughs> the family left left Russia around that time, and um, and came to Australia via Japan. So mm. they are from Irkutsk, which is you know over towards Siberia. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not actually sure if Irkutsk is part of Siberia or not, to be honest. But it's 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 way east anyway. Yes. Yes. And uh, Irkutsk is famous for having a, a rather large lake there, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been there?
1: I, I have not been there, but uh, I yeah. think it is largest lake in Asia. If I'm,
0: yeah, yeah, it is
1: very, very big lake.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. So, um, you know, so this is really, you know, it, it's very interesting for me. I've I've never really studied Russian history. I know a little bit, so. So you know that's really interesting information. Um, what I read, so I was I was reading, um, and and so for 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 our guests listening, um, Sam is a member of the Russian Orthodox Church. Was baptised into the Rus- Russian Orthodox Church, as you said, when you were about two weeks old, um, and so um, the persecution at the time by the government. They didn't. From what I understand in my reading of the Russian Orthodox Church website, it was that the church wasn't completely wiped out. Like, they they killed a, a large number of priests, but not all. So I, I'm, I'm guessing there were probably some priests who were more opposed to the communist takeover than others, and perhaps some were, you know, said, oh, well, if, if I want to stay alive, I've got to get with this new team. Um Is that a fair assumption?
1: Yes. And so originally during the October Revolution, uh, it was not meant to be a regime change, but only agrarian reform for the peasants. And so the church originally supported that under the teachings of Jesus Christ to care for the poor, that idea of uh, almost Christian socialism. But that obviously did not end up the way that it was meant to be. And after the complete Party takeover by the communists, then um, the church was pretty much forced to either support communist ideals and support communist methods of life, which included mostly anti biblical uh, living teachings. So those who opposed it were executed or sent to labor camps, gulags. And uh, if you supported it, you would be lucky to remain in your position as a patriarchal priest or in the church at all. And then it was, it became a state tool for propaganda pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Um So the Russian Orthodox Church did survive through the years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and and then uh, later on, you know, in, well, I can't, I'm not great with dates and you'll <laughs> probably be able to tell me, but when, um, uh, Perestroika, perestroika, that's a word I'm thinking of, when, when, um, when the USSR was basically dissolved, which I think was under Gorbachev and then Yeltsin, is that correct? Yes, Gorbachev in 1991. Yeah. Um, and so the, was the Russian Orthodox Church then allowed to um, grow uh, and flourish again under that sort of new freedom? yes
1: and originally even before all of the uh breakaway countries that left the uh soviet union and became independent uh even before that the church had started to gain liberties from probably 80s onwards from gorbachev especially uh and once the dissolution of the ussr was totally complete then the church was allowed its rightful place back into society and even offered certain positions in advisory government like uh uh, today the uh, russian patriarch uh kirill is very important in the russian government and it's pretty much been like that since 1991 where whoever is the Patriarchate of all of russia is invited into the government in some way
0: okay so so in russia now there's 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 not the separation of church and state, which is, you know, so important uh, in in Western governments. It it seems that there's a a fairly strong connection between church and state in in Russia.
1: Very, very strong. And uh, Putin himself even recognizes uh, that. And that's part of the reason he's very popular among Russians. Uh, And so it's kind of debated whether he's actually religious or if he's using that as a popularity tool. But either way, it's very, very effective, and I would say that's the majority of why he's still supported.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Was not aware of that. That's that's very interesting. So, um, I just wonder if you could explain for us a little bit about um, the Eastern Orthodox religions in in a in a general sense, and how the Russian Orthodox Church fits in with all the other. Eastern Orthodox churches, such yes. as I, I think, there's a Siberian Orthodox church, there's uh, an Ethiopian Orthodox church, there's you know, there's quite a number, and they seem yes. to be sort of, they seem to be country-based.
1: Yes. So uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church was started, well, according to canon, started in 33 AD by Jesus Christ himself by appointing Peter as the first pope or patriarch. That's where the difference in Catholicism and Orthodoxy is and uh, the the church history states that as um, as the Catholic Church became more Roman based and integrated with Roman society the Orthodox elements of the church preferred to stay more internationally not really integrated into any country and more just following the scriptures and so the division came in 1054 when the Filioque was being debated about being added to the nicene creed the filioque is a section of the nicene creed the catholic church includes and the orthodox church does not and uh, we can talk about that later but um the orthodox church from then on was pretty much the most important organization in the byzantine or eastern roman empire and right around 1054 the prince of muscovian which became russia invited delegates from the catholic church i believe also islam and the orthodox church to russia to the winter palace in saint petersburg to inquire about a state religion or it's well it's either he wanted a religion for him and his family or a state religion for his people and he eventually chose orthodoxy and from that day of 1050 or for the russian adoption of orthodoxy which would be about 1080 to 1100 AD, it's been an integral element of all those Eastern European countries ever since. And uh, it is country-based in a way. It's more language-based. Um, when people say Greek Orthodox Church, Russian Orthodox Church, Serbian Orthodox Church, it's more based on like the uh, cultural and so the people who attend those liturgies, those services, can understand the language of what is being read.
0: Oh, Okay so if if I was um, if I was a Russian Orthodox person and I was going on holidays to Greece and I wanted to go to church in Greece, would I find a Russian Orthodox Church or would I just go to a Greek Orthodox church?
1: Uh, you could probably find a russian speaking Orthodox church, but okay. there's no real difference in the services besides language they're all in communion with the patriarch of Constantinople, which is Bartholomew so they're all they're all interconnected. Similar to the Catholics, how Catholics have one supreme pope, there's just language based for the Orthodox.
0: Okay, and so Constantinople is still the the, the center of uh, leadership for the Orthodox churches. Yes,
1: even after it's fallen, renaming to Istanbul, uh, it's still considered Constantinople by the Orthodox Church.
0: Okay. Okay, and 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 so, do you call the leader of the church the, the Pope? Is he Pope Bartholomew, or
1: um, he is Patriarch Bartholomew.
0: Patriarch Bartholomew. Okay, okay, that's that's really interesting. I I bet you know uh, the Latter Day Saints who listen to this. <laughs> most of us won't know that sort of detail. You know, we we generally speaking have probably had more exposure. Um. To the Catholic and Protestant churches, uh, and and that's probably largely because our church was organised first in the United States, and you know the the, the Protestant churches were the the largest churches around at that time. I'm not sure when Catholicism started to grow in the United States, but from my understanding, um, you know the United States was was settled to escape <laughs> escape yes. Catholic Catholic, uh, Catholic Europe, and and Anglican, Great Britain. Um, part part of the reasons, anyway. I'm I'm, I'm not sure that that's a whole reason. So I, I'm not a student of, of history as you are. I must ask, Sam, are you, are, are you intending uh, when you finish high school, are you intending to further studies, uh, have further studies in history, is it, or is it going to be a hobby, or is it going to be become a profession, or what What do you think?
1: I, probably a hobby, to be honest. I, uh, I, the economy if i stay here the economy would not allow me to be a historian to be honest for what i desire which is uh, a family very young as is traditional for my culture but um okay
0: okay i i mean i i think you could probably uh, find a path in academia somewhere to study history or th- things like that and, uh, and i think you're certainly bright enough to do it so uh, <laughs> It, it's it's interesting. I have a, a a friend, an old friend here in Australia, and he and he runs a a large franchising business. And the the franchising business started as Jim's Mowing, and uh, it's it, it's become Jim's everything. There's Jim's Plumbers and Jim's Fencing and you know Jim's Dog Washers and and all sorts of things. But he he actually did a a PhD in history,
1: yeah.
0: and. And uh, as he was going through university, that's when he started his lawn mowing business.
1: <laughs> oh, really?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, I mean, I, I guess he could have gone into academia, but um, you know, he was entrepreneurial as well as um, a, a good student, obviously. So, <laughs> but he's, he's, he's done fairly well in life, I think. He's, he's actually uh, a member of our church as well. Um, so, look, that that's all. That's all fascinating, Sam. And you know, you, you and I uh, agreed before we, uh, we we sort of agreed to certain subjects that we'll, that we'll talk about um, religious subjects prior to uh, uh, prior to uh, starting our conversation here. Um, and so we agreed, <laughs> which was an easy which was an easy agreement to reach that yep. we would be nice to each other. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so and and so we, we're going to talk about our religious differences and similarities I, I, I should say which I think I think is a more important thing really I mean I think a lot of religions focus on oh you believe that and we believe that and and therefore we don't like each other but I think you know the more important thing is you know talking about how we can come together and and, and talk about the things that we both believe um, and and and, and, you know, that's on an individual level, of course, and, you know, I must say, even though I, I'm a full-time missionary for the church at the moment, uh, with serving with my wife here in Cairns, whatever I say today uh, should not be construed as being official church doctrine, <laughs> although I will, you know, I'll try and talk as much as I can to what the official church doctrine is. Um, and, and likewise for you. You don't represent the whole Russian Orthodox Church.
1: <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, we have our we have our differences of opinion, but we have our similarities as well. So, you know, we we mentioned the Nicene Creed uh, early on. Now, a lot of a lot of Latter-day saints do have some understanding of the Nicene Creed. And we know at a, a pretty basic level that that's one of our one of, one of the differences um, between our beliefs and uh, the rest of the Christian world pretty much. Um, I think there's a few other churches that don't follow the Nicene Creed but but you know all, all Catholic churches or Protestant churches and uh, I, I guess all the Eastern Orthodox religions following for following the Nicene Creed is very much a part of your faith, so would you like to talk a about, about that f- f- just for a little bit you know maybe a brief historical overview of it and 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 what you what you believe about that
1: yes, so the Nicene Creed was the original statement uh to unify the early believers right after jesus's death because right after jesus's death and even as Paul wrote his, his letters to the uh, churches in uh, Asia Minor and the Mediterranean area, there was a lot of disunity regarding certain elements of theology, specifically Mosaic law, uh, the how Judaism plays into it, and the element and Trinity of God. So, the Nicene Creed was created to establish a common canon for all of the churches that operated, or even believers, really, because there were very few official churches uh, that mm. operated on a certain belief of Christianity. So it was created, I'd like to say, around 200, to 281, maybe, I think late 200s. And it was based heavily off of Paul's letters, um, Timothy's letters, um, early early debaters within the church, a few of the ecumenical councils that had occurred already to discuss the elements of um the being and trinity of Christ, and it's uh like you said the framework for both the Catholic and Orthodox uh churches and faiths, and it plays an element in most Protestant churches, but I would not say that many Protestants even really know the Nicene Creed or its importance.
0: Yeah, just just one thing. I was, I was reading earlier today the Wikipedia article about the Nicene Creed just to sort of re-familiar, re-familiarise myself with it, and uh, I think it was 325 A.D., the first... 325. Yeah, the first council, and then uh, later, quite a bit later in 381 A.D., um, They they modified the original creed somewhat and added a little bit to it, Um, uh, and so I think I think from what I've read that the Orthodox churches basically follow the 381 version, um, but the main difference is between the Eastern churches and and the do you call it the Western Catholic Church the Roman Catholic Church?
1: Yeah, just Roman Catholic.
0: Yeah, the Roman Catholic Church. So the Eastern Church, um, the, the Nicene Creed starts with, I believe,
1: mm-hmm.
0: rather than the Roman Catholics, their version is, we believe. Is that correct?
1: I'd, I'd say I'd actually have to go back in and kind of research that because I've always said it is, I believe, or I've always said it is, we believe, actually. But I may have been taught it i I've always said we believe, so maybe maybe I'm a Catholic at heart, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I one of the differences is the Filioque I'd say that's between the Catholics and the orthodox too the uh inclusion of the filioque, which I don't know if you read about that in your
0: in the yes, I do. Media. yes can you can you explain that for us
1: yes, so during as you mentioned after the Eusemical Councils, the early ones in the uh, early 300s and continuing on through the seventh one, um, there were debates over how the Trinity works and the distinctness of the beings. And the Catholics eventually came up with a common, uh, common sentence for both the Son and the Father, which is that the Holy Spirit flows from both of them. But the Orthodox maintained from Holy Tradition. The first Eusebian Council and the first kind of framework of the uh, Nicene Creed that was put and compiled together finally in 381, as you mentioned. And they disinclude the idea that the Holy Spirit flows from Jesus Christ actively, but is instead a separate being that only can flow from the Father figure.
0: Yeah, okay, okay. And I, I think there was also. Some debate there, or a word added, perhaps, which was the consubstantial word, yes. where it talks about the Father and the Son being consubstantial. Yes. Uh, and and my my understanding of that is that the the Father and the Son are made of the exact same substance, uh, and they they share they they share that substance. Is is that correct?
1: Uh it's. So the thing about orthodoxy too is it's much more spiritual, and I, I'd say almost in a way mystic, mysticism. I think I'm saying right. Than the Western Catholic Church, which is much more fa- based on logic today, and even earlier than so the Orthodox is based on a concept that we cannot, we can only know what God is not, and only theorize that, and. Besides that, we can only know what God is from what He explicitly says. Whereas the Catholics say that they can go and assume what God is to determine what it's kind of complicated. What He is not, and I'm also probably not saying it in a way I can that is understood in English because I'm thinking of it in a Russian sense, and I can I do not know the term in English for what I'm trying to say. There are two separate ways to interpret a God, and the Orthodox Church sticks with mysticism, which is to say that this substance that you are referring to um the catholics believe it kind of goes hand in hand with the filio. the catholics would say that all three beings are so distinct that they are not made up of the same um essence i guess where the orthodox are saying that this essence is shared by the father and the son but the holy spirit is an essence that flows from the father
0: okay Okay, so I think, uh, look, our, our belief probably is a little bit more in line with the Catholic belief mm-hmm. in that respect, mm-hmm. um, but there's still some differences. So um, I, I sent you a, a copy of our Articles of Faith. and, yes, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you understand what our Articles of Faith are exactly, um, but the, our Articles of Faith were written by Joseph Smith when, um, I I think it was a newspaper editor somewhere or other asked him to give a bit of a summary of what Latter-day Saints believe
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or as we were called at the time, what the Mormonites believe or the Mormons Mm -hmm. believe. We've had all the, we've had these nicknames over the years and um, uh, we've tried to, you know, get rid of those nicknames and just be known as members of the church of Jesus Christ of Mm Latter-day Saints, which is quite a mouthful, but you know, Uh, we we get away with it so our our first article of faith is sort of well well let me let me just say to start with joseph smith was um quite opposed to creeds and and i i guess he was he, he possibly had in mind the nicene creed and and other other creeds because the nicene creed is not the only one um where there was a definite statement of Faith, uh, and I, actually, I think he used the word dogma as well. He was opposed to a dogma, and, and so he was sort of quite liberal in his thinking. Um, and in Latter-day Saints today, um, we we all have our own individual beliefs, but there there is a there's if someone was to ask us what the official church doctrine was, so if someone, you know, if you undertook a serious study of uh, Latter-day Saint theology from an academic level, for instance, um, if you said, oh, well, where can I find, you know, Mormon beliefs? Where where are these beliefs summarised? Well, our, our answer would probably be in the scriptures. So we would say, well, you know, the, the 13 articles of faith give you some indication about what we believe, uh, and and that's a very, you know, it's a very brief document. Um, uh, but what we believe is in the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, so our four, that's our canon, those four books of Scripture,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and as well as the words of the living prophet um and so uh that's that's where our beliefs are so it's 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 big
1: yes
0: (laughs) as far as you know it's really hard to summarize so it's so it actually is quite handy for us um you know the 13 articles of faith which is part of our scripture it's canonized um it's part of our scripture so and that first article of faith simply states we believe in god the eternal father and in His Son Jesus Christ, and in the Holy mm. Ghost. Um, so that's that's basically it as far as our our belief is concerned. Uh, you know, so that's that's our <laughs> that's our version of the Nicene Creed, if you like. Yes.
1: Um.
0: Um. And and you know, as, as I mentioned to you before we started talking, we could easily talk, you know, all day about that. I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, uh, but we won't but yeah, so our, our belief is Latter-day Saints, that's it We believe in God the Eternal Father and in His Son Jesus Christ and in the Holy Ghost um, The the major difference that we see um, With the Nicene Creed and, and And probably the various versions of it is that we definitely see God the Father as being a separate and distinct individual to Jesus Christ, his mm. son, and, and the Holy Ghost being a, a separate and distinct individual again. So, yes. so, you know, our shared beliefs here are that we, we do believe, you know, you and I both believe in God mm. as our father, we believe in Jesus Christ as his son, and we believe in the Holy Ghost.
1: Yes. And if so, so that, I, if I've heard this correctly, uh, I don't know if it's an official statement, but I've heard it a lot. Is you believe in three individuals united in purpose?
0: Yes, yes, that's right. So when when we read in in uh, the New Testament, particularly about the Father and the Son being one, the way we view that is that the word one there means uh, one. One in unity, one united, one in purpose, as you said.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's 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 our view of that. You know, um, it's similar to you know how a husband and wife should be. We should be one. We should be united as husband and wife yeah. to to lead the family. You know, um, so we 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 literally see um, God the Father as being the Father of our spirits and and so we are therefore part of his his family that makes you and I brothers
1: yes um, i, I would say that we all uh, the orthodox church would agree with the family ties here
0: yeah yeah so you know we we certainly see you know the family on earth as being a reflection of of the family in heaven uh, and and uh, what what the family that we came from was like we a sort of replicating that here on Earth in a way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think um, you know when I said it earlier that you know mainstream Christians and and so when I say mainstream Christians, I I mean uh, almost the rest of the Christian world. Yes. Um, oh. a, a, apart from Latter Saints, everyone believes in the Nicene Creed and the and the details in that. And you know, I, I often hear um, mainstream Christians say that, "Oh, you Latter-day Saints, you're not, you're not Christians." Uh, and, and 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 I think that's because we don't believe in the Nicene Creed. Is that correct?
1: I would say so, because I think that where the um, idea of uh, the Latter-day Saints not being Christian is comes from from the belief that the individuals are completely distinct from each other the uh, three members of the trinity and i think that the and i actually could this could be a question for you too just to see uh how you address this but i i could look up the verse i have my bible right here (laughs) but uh i could look up the verse and it's jesus christ saying before abraham was i am which is him talking how God was God says I am who I am to Abram or Moses in the burning bush um which so I think that where we see that as meaning Jesus Christ is referencing how he has been a part of God throughout history he has been in the eyes of God and all of that I think that that's where the miscon or the misunderstanding or division comes about between how God and Jesus are one entity, and versus two separate ones.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, that that's interesting that you bring up that scripture, and and that this sort of goes back to our our latter-day Saint view of what we call the pre-mortal life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, as as we call God, our heavenly Father, as we call Him our Father, just like Christ addressed him as yes. that at the start as the start of lord's prayer yeah. um, and and in various other parts of the new Testament is you know referenced as as being our father as well um, me, yeah um, <laughs> my wife has just switched off some lights to save the electricity but I, I need all the light I can get to make myself look <laughs> okay you know <laughs> so so we we believe in this Eternal family that existed before we were all born on this earth, and um, so before before the creation, if you like, we lived as an eternal family, and Adam and Eve uh, came to Earth as the first of the human family, um, and so we all lived as a as a family there, and and so w- we see our heavenly Father as being. The head of that family um, and we see Christ as being the firstborn son of our father in heaven mm. right yes and and we believe that through throughout the Old Testament um, the God of the Old Testament who was generally speaking known as Jehovah we believe that 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 person was actually the pre-mortal Christ, mm-hmm. okay? So before Christ was born into mortality in Jerusalem through Mary and with Joseph as his adopted yeah. father, adoptive father, I should say. So we believe that all through the Old Testament, uh, that God that the house of Israel was worshipping and obeying most of the time, um, that was Jehovah, and and so when when Christ said, "Before Abraham was, I am," I, I think he was saying, "Before Abraham existed, I was Jehovah." Be- before Abraham existed, there was Jehovah. I, you know, that's that's sort of my understanding of that scripture. So. Um, apart from right in, in the book of Genesis where, um, you know, it, it says we will, we will make man in our image, um, you know, we, we, hear, we hear the voice of God the Father speaking in, in Genesis, but throughout the rest of the Old Testament, and I'm trying to think of any exceptions to this and I can't right now, but throughout the rest of the Old Testament, the God of the Israelites was Jehovah, who was the premortal Christ, which which then became very ironic, of course, when he was born as Jesus Christ or, yes. or you know, as he would have been known, Yeshua, the Messiah. Um, you know, it was ironic that the ruling Jews, well, most of the ruling Jews rejected him, and crucified him. Yes. Um, you know, uh, there's a yeah, there, there's there's a, a a great tragedy in that, if you like. But it was was something that actually had to happen for Christ yes. to fulfil. You know, our understanding, I'm sure your understanding too, is that you know, for for Christ to fulfil his mission, um, he had to atone for our sins, and um, you know, we, we Latter-day Saints do have a slightly different version or a different view on the atonement, in that we see the atonement as being, uh, a, 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 and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that word, the atonement, yes. which is only actually I think mentioned once in the New Testament. Um, but the word atonement to us in, encompasses Christ's suffering for our sins mm-hmm. in the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. prior to him being prior to him being arrested on that um, Thursday night. Um, and and then uh, the scourging, the crucifixion. <laughs> excuse me. And then the resurrection. Uh, we see that those sort of three major events there as being all part of what we call the atonement, and um, you know a, a, a very necessary thing that had to happen. So, so. Uh, that's our view of that anyway, which I'm I'm guessing is probably not too dissimilar to your view.
1: Yes. So I, for here and I can look it up. I have it pulled up somewhere. Oh yes. Your articles of faith um, for, oh wait, I can't find it. It should be in my mail, but I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong. It's number two or three talks about the atonement. Uh, And so, we would probably just replace atonement characterless, or the word atonement with the word suffering the suffering of christ gives us our salvation and so or because christ suffered and because christ died on the cross that gives us our salvation so we would probably differ a little bit in how the specific suffering or atonement of christ gives us our salvation versus we would just say his death on the cross is our way to salvation um and yeah atonement is a little uh more special for that so we wouldn't disagree with the suffering or atonement i would say we would probably just come into conflict over what that actually means to the individual believer and how his suffering played out and let me try to pull it up and then um because i also saw in uh, uh your in the articles of faith i think it's probably is it talks about the process of gaining salvation which is uh to be faithful in the lord jesus christ uh repent baptize and then receive the uh laying on of hands by uh in the mormon church which is i i've my my good friend is actually a mormon and she uh she talks about the laying on of hands and i was trying to understand that and i still can never understand that (laughs) but i get I, i under i understand uh from what she says that the laying on of hands is uh it was originally done by the um apostles and by jesus christ and peter and then they stopped doing it or allegedly stopped doing the laying on of hands um throughout until Joseph Smith right
0: um look I'm not sure that there's any particular point in history where the laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost stopped Um, but look uh, Sam you've done a very good job of uh, remembering (laughs) our our first uh, our first few articles of faith there Um, so certainly that number four um, states, you know, uh, um, that you know the first principles and ordinances of the, of the gospel are first faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's certainly something that you and I agree on. I think yes. Yes. faith, faith in, the Lord, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is is, is paramount. Um, that's what all Christian re- religions are based on. And if they're not based on that, I think they should be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you
1: know, the the,
0: the second uh, point of, of repentance, um, you know, repentance is where we where we change. Through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we repent of, of our sins, our, our bad habits. We try and become better people. Um, and, and through having faith and repenting, that would lead us to wanting to, to be baptised. So th- this, is, uh, this is an area where, you know, we would start to disagree uh, because in, in the Russian Orthodox Church and all the, the, the Roman Catholic Church, um, you know, baptism is something that occurs very early on, yeah. whereas for us, uh, our, our children aren't baptised until they're eight years of age. And and so we see uh, that age as being the age of accountability, where um, they start to know the difference between right and wrong, and can therefore uh, start to repent of the things that they do that are wrong. So, uh, so we have a difference in uh, of opinion as to when baptism is an appropriate thing. I, in fact, I'm a convert to the church. And I grew up in a, in a Protestant church in Australia and I was uh, christened, we called it a christening, at, um, well, I'm not sure how many days old I was, to be honest. I might have been a week or two old. Or I'm, I'm not sure, I can't remember it. <laughs> um, but I can obviously remember, um, you know, as a convert coming into the church and being baptised as a 24-year-old. Um, so I, I fully knew what I was doing. At, at that stage, of course, which was which was good. So, yeah. You know, so there's a, a, a certain difference in our in our doctrines uh, there. Um, but the, the 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 fourth principle there, the the laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that's a, that's a. So we see baptism as being a a two part ordinance, and you can be baptised, and we practice baptism by immersion. And, and after the baptism by immersion, you then receive the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. Okay. Mm. So it's a, it's two separate actions that combine into the completion of one ordinance. Um, and the laying on of hands is literally done by, you know, the, the person who's baptised sits in a chair and a group of elders within the church would... Place their hands on the head of the person receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and and the the person acting as voice. So there, there, there could just be one person, but more often than not, it's a group of elders who place their hands on your head and they pronounce that uh, under under priesthood authority that they are uh, giving you the uh, they're saying receive the Holy Ghost. Yes, and so. Um, so that's the second part, we call it the confirmation. So it's a confirmation of the baptism. So um, one interesting detail there is that we, we say to the person as we lay our hands on the head and say, receive the Holy Ghost, they might not receive the Holy Ghost right then. We are inviting them to receive the Holy Ghost, but that may actually happen later. It may not necessarily happen at that time, mm-hmm. but you know, as long as their as long as their in, intent is to receive it, they will will receive it. And so, we see um, the baptism and the confirmation t- together as being a cleansing ordinance. The, the baptism symbolises the cleansing. It's it symbolises the death and resurrection of Christ, etc but it also symbolises the washing away of our sins. But we see the actual sanctification or what's the other word? Purification, if you like, of us uh, through the Holy Ghost. So we see that uh, another word for it is the baptism of fire. You might be familiar with that that term from the New Testament, the baptism of fire. So through the baptism of fire, fire purifies things, right? Um, So we see that as the the cleansing of our previous sins and then as we go through life we need to continue to repent so you know we one, one of the interesting things that we often hear um, uh, some Protestants ask us they say have you been saved and 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 we Latter-day Saints don't relate to that so much. I don't know how, how you relate to that, but if a Protestant came to you and said, have you been saved? What, were, what, what would your reaction be?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, to start, I think that our sense uh, um, can be more annoying than atheists, Orthodox and Catholics sometimes. Like, they'll... and. I'm sure it's the same with Mormons but or LDS, but it's uh, the same where um, Protestants will come up to me or if I'm talking to a Protestant and it somehow slips that I'm Orthodox and if they have any idea what that means, which it's very rare for an American Protestant to know really what that means. But if they do, say it's, I actually went to a youth group two Sundays ago with my uh friends which is a protestant youth group my church doesn't have a youth group because i would be the only youth member there but (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so i went to this protestant youth group and the small group leader or the small pastor or whatever found out i was orthodox and said you need to repent and be saved and i was like what What are you talking about (laughs) And, and they just and they'll talk about catholics the same way We'll talk about LDS the same way, and I—I I, it's kind of confusing when they their concept of saving is way different than the Orthodox and the Catholics, and all of ours are somewhat different than yours. But it's just Protestants think they have the same definition that they can apply to every single person, and I find that really annoying. And so does a lot of other people.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we 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 find it puzzling because when. When they ask us if we've been saved, we, we we say, well, well, we we could react to that in various ways. We could say, well, we hope we will be. <laughs> it 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 depends on your definition of being saved. Yes. And and so our 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 definition is possibly well, it is different uh, to most other Christian religions. So we see um, salvation uh, as as sort of a general term. Um, and and part of part of our salvation is is being resurrected. So we we believe in the New Testament scriptures that talk about all men being resurrected, mm. whether you whether you're good or evil. It it talks about us all being resurrected. I can't remember the exact scriptures. If you asked me for a reference off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you right now. <laughs> but think about it in John five. I don't know. Anyway. You know, that's what we believe, that all men will be resurrected. So um, if that's your definition of being saved and a, and a Protestant person asks me if I've been saved, I can say, yeah, we're all saved. <laughs> whether, we, whether we believe or not, we believe you know, Catholics, Protestants, Hindus, Muslims, uh, Baha'is, uh, <laughs> Buddhists, every person. Every person is saved because of the resurrection of Christ, and that resurrection applies to us all. Yes. So I'm not not sure what the what the Russian Orthodox uh, uh, belief is in that.
1: So um, it's pretty similar. Well, so Protestants sometimes don't like talking about baptism, and I was actually going to say this: your idea of the laying on of hands and how that relates to the process, and how baptism is in your process. It's actually very similar to our beliefs but the way we believe it is if a baby was to say die very early on then it's kind of it's kind of an older opinion and many i would say not very many still hold that is complete truth but the idea is that if a baby were to die then being baptized would guarantee them a spot in heaven but Many people now can go back to other scriptures that were not available when the idea happened and say that, you know, God is a righteous judge who will look at each case individually. So now the real definition is to dedicate yourself to the church and faith at an early age. And that's the idea. And obviously you're not conscious about your dedication, but the idea is that you grow up and It's actually a statistic that Orthodox Christians have the highest rates of staying Orthodox through a family. Like, if you run into an Orthodox family, the chance of you staying Orthodox Christian or just Christian is substantially higher than any other uh, Protestant or Catholic denomination of Christianity. And so it kind of holds that dedication and idea of uh, faith and loyalty very highly in baptism. And baptism is the start of your saved life now if you decide to get baptized again then you also have to and if you decide to be an outsider and convert to orthodoxy then you have to go through a small class too or it, i call it a class it's not really a class that it's kind of complicated it's just a little uh couple of week sessions where you speak to your local patriarch or archbishop and you uh, get baptized and once you're baptized you're a member of the Orthodox Church until you're either excommunicated or you leave the Orthodox Church voluntarily so yeah um, we believe baptism baptism does not give salvation but it dedicates you to a path that will give you salvation and we believe that baptism opens up yourself for the Holy Spirit like the laying on that laying of hands does for uh, the letter day sing
0: yeah okay. Okay, yeah, look, there's some interesting similarities there. Someone, as you said, if someone wants to become a convert to orthodoxy, um, uh, you know, you have a, a series of lessons before you can be baptised. Yes. It's exactly, that's what our, our young missionaries do. You've seen mm-hmm. our young missionaries, and I, I, I bet you probably have friends that have, uh, or, or, or siblings of your younger friends who have, you know, probably gone on missions for the church. And that's what they do. They, they teach a series of, oh, it's four discussions now. So they, they teach these four discussions over a period of, it, it, it might, it, well, it could be over one a day for four days or whatever, uh, but people are asked to attend church a number of times before they can be baptised. So we have, you know, a process there for someone who wants to become a member of the church. They have that process that they step through, just like your process there. Mm-hmm. So interesting interesting similarity so our our definition of being saved is being resurrected well this is the Murray this is the elder Seth version of it anyway so Mm -hmm. you know you you, you might read something in some LDS publication that might say something slightly different to what I'm saying because there you know it comes down to definition of words but you know so the old you know the Protestant question have you been saved no I haven't I don't know yes I have it depends on what you mean by that question you know um, but we see, you know, resurrection as a gift from Christ, from the Father. So Christ was resurrected so that all men could be resurrected. And and I, we were talking about this just the other night. We were um, we were teaching some uh, friends of ours, and you uh, know, we see that as being the great hope. That we have in this life, that as we as we understand the resurrection, and that we can all be resurrected, and we have to understand, you know, to, to understand that we have to understand the Bible, we have to understand the New Testament, we have to understand that Christ, you know, atoned for our sins, and that as part of that atonement, He was resurrected, and that um, because of that, we can we will all be resurrected. We actually have no choice in the matter. We will be resurrected. Yes. Right? And so, you know, when the Protestant asks me, have I been saved? Yes, I have, because I know I'm going to be resurrected. And so is the, as I said before, so is the Buddhist and the, you know, the Protestant and the Catholic and the yes. Eastern Orthodox person. Everyone's saved. So, yes, we're all saved. But to Latter-day Saints, we, we have also this um, extra view on top of that, and we term that as being exhortation. And so um, I think I think most people in the Catholic Protestant world would say um, it's a bit like this dividing line, you know, on our on our pictures here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I'm up above you, I'm obviously in heaven, and because you're down below me, and there's that dividing line between yeah. us, you're in hell. <laughs> right? But I'm just I'm just using that, you know, as a yes, visual. Yes. <laughs> so. You know, most most Protestant Catholics have that view, that there's heaven and hell. And, and I can even use this dividing line here. So, I mean, if, if I could just make it, you know, I could just make it into heaven, right? Mm. If I'm just good enough, I'll make it into heaven. Uh, oh, and if I'm just not quite good enough, there's my hand. Oh, my hand's disappeared. I haven't made it into heaven, you know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you're the same, you know, you've got to get your hand up there. So, yes. um, you know, there's that sort of dividing line and, you know, to us, that, that seems sort of harsh, I guess, that, you know, if you're just not quite good enough, you don't quite make it into heaven. In other words, you're not saved. Uh, and, and, you know, you just were a little bit too bad. So, oh, there you go, down to hell. So we have this view of um, three levels of heaven, which virtually everyone who has lived on earth, will we'll go to one of those three levels yes. of heaven. Um, so that that's how how we see that it's it's being a a Christ said in my father's house are many mansions. You know those those three levels of heaven can be seen as as those many mansions, um, and and there is this there is this place called out of darkness, which we believe is the place where the really really super 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 bad people will go um and they have to be so bad in fact that they were once very good and became very bad so 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 maybe maybe judas who betrayed christ maybe he might go to outer darkness Mm -hmm. but but even that i'm not totally sure about to be to be honest so 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 we don't have this, you know, dividing line between heaven and hell. We have this sort of gradual process. So if someone was to ask a day saying, are you going to the top level of heaven, which we call the celestial kingdom, we will say, uh, well, we don't know. We hope we do. We hope we do all we can in this life through, you know, having faith and repenting and receiving the, the necessary ordinances of, of salvation. We hope that we will get to that um, top level of heaven called the celestial kingdom, uh, but we don't know that. So that's where we, you know, when when a Protestant asks us if we've been saved, and and if our definition of saved is exaltation, we'll say, oh, we don't know. We hope we we, we want to be, you know, we'd like to make it there. Um, uh, whereas, you know, the the basic definition of saved is being um, in heaven or hell. Well, we don't know that either. We just know that we will all be resurrected. So, you know, there's there's some interesting interesting differences there, you know. And I am not, not sure I'm not sure what the you know, what the Greek Orthodox you know, belief is in that. It's probably I guess similar to most Catholic and Orthodox, it's probably heaven and hell, is that correct?
1: Uh yes. And then the Catholics have the idea of, you know, the uh predatory in, in in between between uh heaven and hell. And that's similar if I remember correctly, it's the, uh, for the Latter-day Saint church is the, uh, celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, and then the telestial kingdom. And then, outer darkness, right? Yes. So, so the Orthodox does, well, most, uh, Orthodox Catholics and Protestants have, you know, just heaven and hell, like you said, but Orthodox and Catholics are much more works oriented, and you've probably heard, you know, Protestants say you're saved by your faith alone, and mm-hmm. an Orthodox or Catholic person would say, "Faith without works is dead," as stated in I think James one mm-hmm. or three six, and um, yeah. so we have that idea of not three separate levels that certain works will get you to, but kind of. As you were saying about the line that your faith gets you up past the line, but to maintain that faith and maintain that level of heaven, you have to do certain works to prove your faith. Not not to say that our works can save us individually, only our faith can, but we can't let that faith die. And we're unique from Protestants and some Catholics in that because they would say you're saved no matter what you do once you accept Jesus Christ as a savior. Yeah. Look, our, our our
0: beliefs there, orthodox beliefs and Latter-day Saint beliefs are very, very much in line. We we believe we're we're saved through the grace of Christ, uh, but we need to demonstrate our acceptance of that grace, and and, and we do that through obedience to the commandments. Uh, and if we if we don't obey the commandments, we need to repent. In other words, we need to change from our past and improve and become better people and not do those things again and and also um uh and, and just in, in line with that Christ said if you love me keep my commandments so he, he didn't say if you have faith in me you'll be saved he yeah. said if you love me keep my commandments Well, he he may have said, he may have in fact said, if you have have faith in me, you'll be saved. But in addition to that, he did say, if you love me, keep my commandments. So don't go and live your life like the rest of the world. I mean, not the rest of the world, but don't live your life like, um, you know, people who choose wrong things do. Um, Live your life in a good way. Um, And if you do make a mistake, repent of that mistake, you know, Uh, and then also, in addition to that acts of service uh and and of course you know the the great thing the great thing that christ said in his you know final ascension you know before you know in, in the book of acts um or was it at the end of the gospels i think it might be in both actually before he ascended to heaven he said go ye therefore and teach all nations yeah. baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son of the holy ghost hello i am with you always so he, he asked us to talk about the gospel, teach the gospel to everyone that we can find. And so, you know, I mean, is that, a, is that works-based uh, salvation if we're doing that? Uh, well, we're still, we're still saved through the grace of Christ, yeah. but we're doing the thing that he wants us to do. We're doing the things that he's shown us to do yeah i think we're i think you and i are very
1: very similar (laughs) yes and and what you what you speak of the great commission where he says to go and make disciples of all nations yes and i i I do think for all i uh sometimes about lds uh the the more or the lds church has been amazing at you know modern day evangelism of sending you know like i think that that is morally like one of the most admirable things that i respect out of all the denominations is the focus on how evangelism is still a very critical and going and making more disciples whereas you don't see a really unified effort from any of the other churches including the orthodox church but so i think that is something i do greatly respect and i do my friends as you said they have older siblings who i knew that have gone to um, mostly latin and south america from uh the uh, united states but i there's been a few that have gone to italy and russia that i know i've kept kind of in contact through email with one of the ones that went to russia oh
0: fantastic well that's interesting i actually know uh, an old friend of mine is is currently the mission president in mm, i think i think his mission covers all of russia but i'm not sure to be honest um, you know, so a so church does exist there uh, and has done for oh, a, a fairly long time. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we actually don't use the word evangelism uh, in that respect. Um, we call it missionary work. That's the, the the basic name for it. So we just don't I, – I think we probably don't use the term evangelism just so we don't get confused with the evangelists. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, which is sort of the Largest sort of uh, Protestant denomination, which is, yeah. you know, there are. I think there are lots of different churches that would be classed as evangelist-type oh, churches yes. in the in the US. Um, whereas here in here in Australia, um, I don't think we actually use, you know, in in the broader Christian our broader Christian society here, I don't think we use the term evangelist so much um you know there, there are protestants and there are catholics and there's lots of different protestant religions of course um and and there are the more i guess the more modern protestant religions so the the typical protestant religions here have been for many years the you know the the the, the presbyterians the lutherans the methodists the um uh congregationalists uh there's a number of different churches which in fact many years ago uh, three of the major ones merged into one church, um, but there are the newer, the newer um, Pentecostal uh, churches, such as what we call the Pentecostal type churches. Um, and it, I know you have this in the U.S. You have, I think they call them the mega churches, oh, where yes. you know where every Sunday they might have a a building that's full of twenty thousand people or something like that. I don't know. You know, uh, very big congregations um and and we have some of those here as well, and we tend to term those as being Pentecostal type churches um so uh yeah it, it, look we could talk all day <laughs> I, think, I think we could talk all day and 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 look i i was I was thinking about this before we before we went live, I thought you know this is the um the the young Russian Orthodox man on Instagram and the, and the old Latter Day Saint man on Instagram and and here we are nearly uh, you know 50 years apart in age, um, and, and and we we each have our <laughs> our. Um, unique areas in life that we are like you've 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 got a 16 year old brain that's still young and growing and 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 learning and i've got a 65 year old brain that's sort of (laughs) on the down on the down (laughs) um but you know we we can still you know we can still get together and have a good chat and um you know find interesting common ground yes and i i think I think we've probably found more common ground today, or at least as much. Would you agree? I think we found I, as much common
1: Yes, for sure. And I, actually, uh, it definitely cleared up a couple questions I have. And, um, like I said, I really respect very many elements of the uh, Latter-day Saint church. And I think this, because like, this, most of the other Latter-day Saint serious encounters, besides just my friends, had been missionaries on my doorstep which i had a kind of similar conversation with but less in detail and less uh friendly i guess (laughs) um so this yeah this was really eye-opening and really nice for me to have
0: great great i really appreciate you saying that i i think we you know depending on your availability and time i think we could probably have a series of uh discussions like this where we talk about various aspects of our own faith and I I think that'd be I think that'd be great to do I think it'd be you know good listening for people and um, look what I what I usually ask people to do before before I finish an interview and I I don't know how you feel about this and 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 and, um, how I would express myself in the same way but in in our church meetings I don't know if you've ever been to an LDS church meeting. Um, no? no? You'd find it very, very different to your church meetings. Yeah. Far, less, far less liturgical <laughs> than your church meetings. But I would recommend if you get invited to an LDS church meeting, oftentimes the first Sunday of the month is a very good meeting to go to because on the first Sunday of the month, that is our fast day. And I know Orthodox people have fast oh, yes. periods of fast as, as well, but we have we have one fast one fast day a month, and it's the first Sunday of the month. And in those meetings on the first Sunday of the month, um, the person conducting the meeting will start the meeting off. will have a hymn, we'll have a prayer, um, we'll have what we call a sacrament, which you may call the Eucharist. I think mm-hmm. um, we'll have that, and then. After that's finished, the rest of the meeting, the the stand, the pulpit is open to any member of the congregation, walking up to the front, and and what we call bearing their testimony. And so when they bear their testimony, it's basically a statement of faith, and it's it's not um it's it's not a memorized thing. We, you know, we speak from our heart, and and we say how we feel about about. Our, our belief in Christ and 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 you know the the church and you know our family and whatever you know we, we basically say whatever is in our heart, and so that's what I usually ask our guests to do um, before we we finish our interview, and and so if you would like to do that, you're most you're most welcome to. But perhaps today, perhaps today I'll I'll, I'll start. And 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 so there might be some things I say that um you wouldn't agree with that's fine. Um and but but you you know, you speak from your heart similarly after me and, and then we'll finish. How does that Sounds sound, good. Sam? Sounds good. Yeah, because we've gone for I think we've gone for over an hour. This has certainly <laughs> been one of the longest <laughs> yes. interviews I've had. Because as I said at the start, this is the first time I've had a non Latter day Saint on here and and so You know We've had some interesting things to talk about with our differences and our similarities in our beliefs. So let me just bear you my testimony, if you like, and this is what you would likely hear if you were attending a Latter-day Saint service on the first Sunday of the month. Mm -hmm. So let me just first say that I know that God lives, that he is our Father in heaven, that we are his children, which... As I said before, makes you and I brothers. And I I know that Jesus Christ is his son, and that Jesus Christ lived on the earth. And He He lived, He taught us, and He showed us how to live by example, and He atoned for our sins. He was resurrected and He lives today. And so I I, I know these things. Because I've read them in the scriptures and I felt in my heart that they're true. So it's, a, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an intellectual belief that's been confirmed by the feelings in my heart. Now, and, and I think you would probably agree with most of what I just said. But in addition to that, so I believe that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. And I know that because I've read his writings, the book of the Book of Mourn, which is a book he translated, and he, and the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pillar of Great Price. So I've read all the scripture that he's brought to us, which is in addition to your scripture, and I've read it, and I feel that in my heart too that it's true. And and in a, as an extension to that, when I when I first prayed about knowing whether the Book of Morn Book of Mourn was true because the, the young missionaries who taught me um, asked me to read it and pray about it. When I prayed about it, I got the, the answer that it was true, having read some of it, not all of it. But I also got the answer in my prayer that I should follow these two young men. So these two, I was 24 at the time, and these two guys were around 19 or 20. Um, I, I got this answer into my mind and feeling in my heart saying I should follow these two young men. So I, I believe not only that the scriptures were, were true, that they presented to me, the Book of Mormon, etc., but that also the organisation of the church, which happened after the Book of Mormon was published, I believe that the church is true and that God told me that I should follow these two young men, which I've been trying to do ever since then. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so that's... That's my testimony, and I say that in the name of jesus christ
1: amen amen and I will say um very similarly, I believe well, I'll try not to make it very similar to the Nicene Creed because that's what's popping in the minds, but <laughs> uh, truthfully, I believe in one God and how he created everything, including all of us, and we all live in fellowship and brotherhood and sisterhood with each other, and I believe that. He sent his son, him incarnate in flesh, to die for our sins on the cross, and that we all receive eternal salvation uh, through him and by living and loving others with his commands. And I truly believe that um, the uh, Patriarch Bartholomew is the supreme representative and authority of the uh, the God and church on earth. And I truly believe that uh in order to save the idea of christianity and christendom there needs to be more healthy debate and uh (laughs) and interaction within the church as we have today and i truly believe that this shows god's love for others and this is a model way to live um without you know getting angry or upset about personal beliefs and um I'm very proud to represent my grandparents and those my great grandparents who were especially suffered for their um, faith in God, and I'm proud that I retain that today. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Sam. Look, it's it's been it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. It's certainly the most interesting conversation I think I've ever had with a 16 year old young man. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, so, thanks again, and I, I think I think maybe we should explore some different topics to talk about. We've covered some very basic uh, uh, beliefs today, uh, and it's been just fantastic. Um, uh, any of your uh, followers who have watched the interview, I'd love them to also follow me. And any any followers of mine, if they watch the interview, encourage them to follow you as well. And and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon yes so thanks thanks very much for your time again sam it's been it's been a pleasure and all the best to you i hope you get over your your call quickly and <laughs> your uh, and 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 uh it's sunday for you there now you, you'll be back at school tomorrow
1: Oh, yes, unfortunately, where I will not learn anything as close to interesting as this. So <laughs> I, I, I think
0: she should go down the academic path of being a historian or something myself. But anyway, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> great, great, great talking to you, Sam. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Okay. Have a good rest of your Monday. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now.